0: Welcome, welcome to the Bad Bitch
1: Segment! Hello! Welcome! <laughs> I don't know why I can't say it normal. <laughs> Just It's weird. funny when you say it randomly. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Hey guys! Welcome! It's episode 9. I'm Kate. I'm Court. We're taking <laughs> you on this wild and crazy adventure of the baddest bitches in history. Woohoo! live from buffalo new york oh ow, ow, ow. pre-recorded Spanish segment oh yeah it's, well we're
0: pre-recorded, live. From buffalo, pre-recorded from buffalo new york on a
1: thursday night on a thursday okay anyway <laughs> yeah how's it going episode nine i'm excited how are you <laughs> good i'm good I, we got a lot of good feedback from the last episode of lucille boggin so yeah, I was really happy about it. Kyle loved it. Yeah, everybody
0: got a lot of joy out of you speaking the lyrics and me putting that music
1: there. I it was, was laughing the best. so hard because I don't hear the finishing product till like Monday when I go to work and I'm in a yeah. flower shop and then I just start busting out laughing to I myself. love it. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me like, happy this is amazing
0: <laughs> I'm just glad it brought so much joy to people you know the timing was a little off because I'm still learning but you know still no it was it good
1: yeah I like it I yeah
0: it was just I don't know I'm glad people found it funny it was fun to do a less serious episode I guess yeah
1: yeah I've just been being a stay-at-home cat mom for the last three days working on my wreaths for yes. the holiday season so that's yes. Go Kate's to S- a very
0: talented <laughs> wreath maker. She's very talented. Everybody should check out her wreaths and her artist page.
1: Go to S. Evan Arts on Facebook. I'm t- and- I'll put it
0: in the show notes.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Unapologetic plug here. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I did a Bills wreath yesterday and I was really proud of it. So
0: Yeah. So for any Bills fans who want a wreath. I do costumes too. Yes. Yes. Does a good job. Yeah, so that's all I got. Cool. Yeah, I don't have anything. Let's get into it. So it's November and we're Americans, so we celebrate Thanksgiving, (laughs) which is, you know, I enjoy Thanksgiving just because I like to eat all the food. I don't know. Like, they really romanticize it when they teach it to you in school.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I always think of the, and I can talk about this now because the writer's strike is over. Yeah! And the actor's <laughs> strike is over. And <laughs> I know that... still broke the rules, but... <laughs> I know that because of Misha Collins posting. Yes. Because he's my aunt.
0: I know because Raul Coley posted Ooh. too, and I love him.
1: <sighs> okay, so I always think of the Adam's Family Values episode where they do that play at summer camp. In the movie? And yeah, and she's talking about how her people have been genocided, segregated, or yeah. whatever. Wednesday was like my spirit animal when I, I was a kid, love too, Wednesday. because I, I, I didn't share know that I was clip. a spooky kid, but I was a spooky kid. Yeah. I share that clip every year because yeah. I'm like, this is what Thanksgiving is really about.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we're not really going into the story of Thanksgiving this week. I'm going to tell just a little bit of a different story and I'm just gonna get into what I wrote. I I like our episodes where I'm a little more casual and I'm just reading through the notes, but I just think it also, I do a better job when I actually write it all out.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, here we go. We need to get a clap track for the back. Uh,
0: I don't, I don't know if it's this, this is actually considered a trigger warning, but I just wanted to let anybody know that's listening that Because the language of a lot of research into Native Americans includes the word Indian, I have a lot of quotes throughout this that use the term Indian. Hmm. Um, I know that there is Native tribes that use the word Indian. I'm pretty sure when you go to the Salamanca Reservation, it says Salamanca Indian Reservation. So. You know, I think it depends on the tribe and the people. I don't choose to use it because Indians are people from India in my head. So these are, we, and there's, there was so many different tribes in America to just say one thing would actually discredit, you know, all the different people that were here before us. So I just want to let everybody know that Indian is going to be used. But again, I usually say Native American or just indigenous, but here we go. The Zuni, also known as Ashiwi, that is, and I'm not sure if I'm doing that right, I'm trying, Ashiwi, are a Native American tribe indigenous to what is now considered West Central New Mexico on the Arizona border. They speak Panushin, which is an isolated language, and are descendants of the prehistoric Anasazi people. Now, I don't have this written in here, but Anasazi sounds familiar, and I'm pretty sure they've talked a lot about them in Mysterious Universe.
1: Oh, yeah, it does sound familiar. Yeah.
0: Part of their origination myth tells of their ancestors emerging from deep within the earth to eventually settle where they are presently located. Tribal legends and rituals were passed down orally, and until the 1990s, there wasn't a translation for Penutian. but luckily they are now able to record their stories and legends for many years to come kinship is paramount and Zuni society is organized through 13 matrilineal lines instead of through the father it's through the mother how most native american tribes are it's, it you it's you get it th- through the mother i guess oh okay yeah spirituality and complex ritual are deeply rooted in Zuni culture one festival called the Shalako Festival is celebrated for 9 days during the winter solstice which sounds like a fun Time. oh yeah they are deeply connected to the land and are skilled dry land farmers cultivating beans maize which is corn and squash since the early 19th century the zuni have become celebrated artisans in pottery textiles silversmithing basket weaving and beadwork they have maintained much of their culture till modern day For over 500 years, Europeans and Americans traveled across the deserts and mountains searching for the Pueblo, a city of gold and riches beyond measure, but there wasn't any gold for them to find. In 1680, the Zuni were able to defeat the Spanish in what is known as the Pueblo Rebellion and maintain their isolated life. Unfortunately, this victory didn't last long, and in 1691, the Spanish reconquered the area. Then, of course, there's... A lot going on in American history in all this time. 1776, the United States was founded. So then, of Quote course... Unquote. Huh? Quote, unquote. <laughs> Quote, unquote. <laughs> then, of course, eventually came the United States of America in 1776 and its determined expansion across the continent. In 1849, U.S. American colonizers had decided to take on the American Southwest. This meant they were moving in on Zuni land. The impending threat, along with the tensions and violence with the neighboring Apache and Navajo tribes, was what Huiwa, Zuni Ihamana, or what we would refer to as a two-spirit person, was born into that same year.
1: And a two-spirit person, I was going to say this earlier, is what we would call... Well, I actually have it here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I was
0: just paused because he was crying and I yeah. was like waiting for
1: him. Yeah, stop. my cat's been crying like all day. I don't yeah. Know what he needs. Cry baby. You've been
0: home and he's been crying all day?
1: Even though yeah, you've been home. I've been feeding him and playing with him and hanging out and napping with what him. What a
0: baby. I know. Oh my he's God. Like, <sighs> okay, so. So
1: navy.
0: A two-spirit.
1: <laughs> I love him though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How
0: can you not? So two-spirit is a third gender found in some Native American cultures, often involving birth-assigned men or women taking on the identities and roles of the opposite sex. A sacred and historical identity, two-spirit can include but is by no means limited to LGBTQ identities. The term two spirit is a contemporary umbrella term that is used to describe indigenous individuals who embody multiple gender identities and have an alternative sexual orientation from heterosexuality.
1: I love this description of it. Yes. Yeah. They were seen as more of like a god. Oh right? my god. Yeah. They
0: yeah, they were held in such high esteem in native cultures. Yeah. And it was basically beaten tortured out of most indigenous cultures across the world not just here in america it's really fucking i mean kind of everything was with
1: their culture they were like sent to schools to unlearn their native culture oh
0: yeah i'm gonna talk all about it okay (laughs) sorry yeah no it's okay ihamana was the original zuni term for a person who was born male but dressed female and did assigned female tasks however, also took part in traditional male tasks, such as religious ceremony and spiritual rites. This was a traditionally recognized gender role in Zuni culture, usually signed around age three, which I'm just like, Hi, people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you talk to anyone that identifies as a different gender... They, they knew early on. Talk, yeah, they all talk about, like, I wanted to wear dresses. Yeah. Whatever.
0: So and who um, cares? Yeah, <laughs> who gives a
1: shit? Like, why do you care?
0: I know it's much more loaded for people who have problems with it than that, but it's dumb loaded. Anyway. <laughs> However, WeeWa was assigned later in life at age 12. Still very early on. And also, like... They were assigned or... Yeah, they were assigned. So in Zuni culture, gender was acquired. Okay. But it was basically... It was learned, but it was learned based on where the child went. It wasn't like they told them where they had to go. Yeah. Viva wasn't, wasn't first recognized at age three, but by age 12, they were like, yeah, okay. Like, this is who you are. Quote, Weewa might have worn a much longer shirt than the other boys, and instead of tucking it into his trousers, and this is a quote, and that's why I'm saying he, I'm using she and they mostly when I refer to Weewa, but this is he, and this is also before they became Ihamana, so that might be part of it. Weewa might have worn a much longer shirt than other boys, and instead of tucking it into his trousers, left it hanging out like a short skirt, wrote Will Roscoe in the Zuni man-woman. That's what the paper was called. He might have initially donned a single article of women's clothes at first, such as the bidon, which was worn over the shoulders. So kind of like a shawl. And instead of playing with other boys, he likely preferred the company and pastime of girls. This was fine. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. I would like to drink some invisible tea with my lady friends. And not play kickball right now. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I'll play kickball later, but right now I would like some tea. And it's fine. And fake donuts.
0: Mm, I would love some real donuts right now. Anyway, research shows that 150 pre-colonial Native American tribes have a recognized third gender.
1: One of the cats is scratching at the door.
0: Lucy. Oh, it's a Lulu.
1: She brought a toy. Oh my
0: god. Research shows that 150 pre-colonial tribes have a recognized third gender. Third genders are recognized in many pre-colonial West African tribes, as well as indigenous tribes of South Asia, Mexico, and the Philippines. Although not all indigenous tribes have the same gender fluidity, it is more commonly accepted and celebrated by indigenous cultures. White colonizers condemned this type of gender variance and same-sex relationships and would use this to further dehumanize indigenous cultures and propaganda for expansion across the West and extending into today with imperialistic pursuits still
1: practiced by Western nations, especially ours. Which is absolutely... Fucking pisses me off so much that these people, these old white men, came over with their... Fake, ridiculous, gray wigs (laughs) and their makeup that made them look paler than ever. Like, if you're going to wear makeup, maybe you should ask someone that is transgender to help you uh, (laughs) put it on correctly.
0: (laughs) But here's the thing, too, that's really interesting about that, because I remember learning about macaroni culture in France, so you know with the yankee doodle dandy bread? song is literally what you say? <laughs> i said with cheese and bread yeah <laughs> no no um so the yankee doodle dandy song okay so a dandy is i forget what it is but it's kind of a femme guy that's that's what a dandy is
1: okay. and a macaroni
0: was like a super dandy if you look it up they wore like the big tall they were super femme and it was an accepted norm in like european culture but i think france and stuff so not so much britain because i don't know everybody in britain is frigid and i'm british so don't worry guys. yeah <laughs> i'm not making yeah, fun of british never, people. yeah
1: <laughs> um a cocktail as ginger spice would call it <laughs> exactly it- <laughs> is that
0: what she said yeah because that's what i am i'm yeah. a cocktail <laughs> i
1: know i was like that's so great i love it oh my god ginger spice and i gotta I know, listen to that episode tips yeah with lance bass and so where did they get this fucking audacity the audacity the
0: audacity
1: fucking i aud- don't
0: know man i don't know there's okay. something okay as white people <laughs> as a white woman i just feel like we are inherent, like honestly, as much as we like to demonize other races, I think we're inherently more violent. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> like of course we. There's way more white serial killers. There's way more white pedophiles oh, yeah. out there. Yep. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're just worse at covering it up, but maybe
1: like we. Well, also because they didn't care. They don't care about indigenous people and black people in the LGBT commun- community, especially back in the day,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. and sex
1: workers. They were considered less dead. Yeah. So, how many serial killers who were in that community yeah. were flying under the radar because the cops didn't care about their victims? Oh, yeah. That still happens today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other story, but. Yeah. And this is your episode. It's actually a good segue to next week's episode. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. I have no idea what you're doing.
0: But okay. So by the 1850s, the Zuni were seeking diplomacy with America. Unfortunately, the tribe was under fear of attack from the Navajo and Apache still. Also, they were living in profound poverty. An alliance could help the tribe. Weewa grew up under this protection and diplomacy which had a profound impact on her life tragically Weewa lost her parents to smallpox in 1853 mm. after this she and her siblings were adopted and raised by her wealthy paternal aunt because of her family status Weewa was educated and exposed to rituals and ceremonial knowledge many were not being ihamana we would take part in feminine chores such as grinding and prepping corn, pottery, ceramics and textiles. And I just want to pause for a second. I I feel like cuz corn was in the Baba Yaga thing, but I feel like did corn come up somewhere else? I just feel like corn Maybe I had a dream about it. Corn is yeah, coming up in about my life. Corn.
1: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I saw the cutest video today of a kitten eating a corn on the cob and he was like Feeling it. Aww. So cute. Anyway, it's corn. She would also
0: take on traditional Zuni men's work too, including weaving sashes, belts, and blankets. wewa trained for many years with a kinswoman in ceramics and pottery. Pottery was used in sacred practice in their culture, and Weewa worked diligently to master the art. wewa became well known for her artistry in weaving and pottery between 1848 and 1880 and helped put Zuni artistry and culture on the map, bolstering it widely. Wiwa trained in the Men's Kachina Society, who would perform ritual masked dances. And Kachina is what they call spirits, so I think it's something to do with, like, shamanism. Oh, cool. She also joined the Medicine Society, I'm gonna try and say this, the Beshatsiloque, which were the
1: bedbug people. So good to me, except for the bedbug part. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like bedbug people.
0: Damn. Okay. She chose this path after being cured of an ailment by a shaman. Although I couldn't find more specifics on this story, so this might just be like a, a little story. You know, it might yeah. not be true. This event, as well as being exposed to these spiritual practices from an early age, was what cemented her desire to learn. Joining these groups furthered her knowledge in tribal lore and ceremony. Because Zuni lore was passed down orally, Wiwa devoted herself to memorization and improvisation to be the best storyteller. In 1864, the U.S. government defeated and forcibly relocated the Navajo. This allowed the Zuni to expand their tribal land. Without the Navajo threat, the tribe was able to beautify the land rather than defensively fortify it. The Zuni were able to maintain their isolation for the most part until the 1870s. Basically, where they were wasn't the easiest place to get to, so not many people tried to get there. Hmm. But by this time, Anglo and Hispanic herders were encroaching on their land, and a Protestant missionary, Tom Ely, along with his family and a school teacher, had arrived, determined to convert the Zuni from their appalling, pagan ways and practices (laughs) of witchcraft. (laughs) (laughs)
1: always goes back to wishcraft. yeah
0: at one point two Mormons arrived and performed over a hundred baptisms and founded a missionary so I guess the Mormons kind of had a good time but apparently they didn't like anybody else as much (laughs) like it was Mm. just the Mormons but what I know about the Book of Mormon it might be because they hold Native Americans in higher esteem okay uh um, yeah. something to do with their origination myth. Oh, that's but I don't cool know I don't know too much, but I think I think. Yeah. Okay. In 1879, the newly formed US Bureau of Ethnology sent a delegation out to collect artifacts and record customs. Some anthropologists did genuinely want to preserve and learn from the Zuni, but obviously the US government had its own plans and just wanted the land, and that's why they sent people on this trip. Of course. There is an old Zuni joke that goes, the typical Zuni household consists of a mother, father, children, and an anthropologist. (laughs) This means Western anthropologists and scientists are always studying these indigenous cultures as a way to preserve something they see as dying, which is fucking gross because they're the ones killing them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, quote, such predictions enact what James Clifford has termed the redemptive allegory of anthropology the assumption that primitive cultures are doomed to disappear except for those artifacts rescued by Western scientists. Oh yeah, rescued. Yeah. Such predictions are not only self-serving, since they inflate the importance of the field workers' reports, they can also be self-fulfilling. Despite their admiration of the Pueblos, early anthropologists more often bolstered the image of the vanishing Indian than challenging it. As historian Curtis Hinsley Jr. has pointed out theirs was a legacy of both knowledge and annihilation, unquote. The delegation of anthropologists included Matilda Cox Stevenson, one of the first female anthropologists in the nation. She was a wife of the expedition leader James Stevenson, and Matilda and Weewa would end up becoming longtime friends. By this time, Weewa was in her 30s and head of her house managing all the duties because her aunt had grown very old. Weewa was skilled at keeping her home up to the fastidious Zuni standards, sweeping it three times a day and washing the floor with water. Other women's chores included fetching water carried in jugs on their heads, gathering firewood, and cooking. Matilda would stay with Weewa's family during her visits to the Pueblo for years. Matilda wrote of Weewa, quote, She was perhaps the tallest person in Zuni, certainly the strongest both mentally and physically. She had a good memory not only for the lore of her people, but for all that she had heard of the outside world. She possessed an indomitable will and an insatiable thirst for knowledge. And Matilda also said that we was very friendly and was open to learning English. By 1881, the Protestant missionary had shut its doors. The main problem Ely encountered with the Zunis was a calm, steadfast resistance to his missionary efforts rather than open violence. And I, I, just liked that. Yeah. Taylor Ely's missionary ended in 1881. In the summer of 1881, his idealism was dampened by the quiet resistance of the Zuni Pueblo. Unquote. Their attempt to convert the Zuni had failed, but they had taught the tribe how to make soap, and they were ne- and the tribe was now making money laundering clothes. So they were like laundering clothes for like nearby forts and for other missionaries in their area.
1: Oh, yeah, nice.
0: During their friendship, Weewa helped Matilda with ethnographic research with the Smithsonian National Museum, allowing her to record and photograph artifacts. She also posed for photographs while weaving and explained the significance of the artifacts and practices. Wiwa was commissioned by Matilda to make a few pieces of traditional Zuni pottery in 1885. This pottery is still on display at the Smithsonian. <laughs> It is assumed WIWA participated in this, in a way to raise awareness of the Zuni in hopes for the government to provide assistance or protection, but ultimately familiarity with a tribe and its people wouldn't stop the Americans from forced assimilation of the Zuni and other indigenous tribes into Anglo society. This same year, WIWA joined the Stevensons in Washington, DC and stayed with them for six months. It's likely that Matilda wanted to use WIWA to boost her standing in the Women's Anthropological Society. Women had only just recently been allowed into the field of anthropology. During the visit, WIWA was mostly accepted as a cisgender woman, although some questions did arise, which WIWA did not appreciate.
1: Oh yeah, it's none of anyone's business. Yeah, like shut the fuck up. And of course it's like all the white people. Of course. I'm sorry.
0: I don't hate all white people as a white person. Yeah, well,
1: apparently we hate all men and white people. That was sarcasm. The accusations being thrown at Mm -hmm. us recently. Anyway. We're just throwing facts here, people. (laughs) Like. We're not trying. I mean, I might be trying
0: to be controversial sometimes.
1: I mean, sometimes you gotta, like, Push the boundaries of people's education a little bit. Exactly. Not to say that I'm the most educated person, because I definitely fucking am not, but moral values. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. Be a good person, kind to your neighbor. Golden rule. I don't see why that's such a problem for so many people.
0: Okay, so quote, Weewa is very much larger in frame and more masculine in appearance than is usual with the Zuni women. Who mostly are small and have quite dainty hands and feet and it has made her quite indignant when she has overheard anyone asking if she was a man and that was a quote from a magazine about her because everybody was shitting her pants that she was in dc Mm. european anglo society did not have the language or culture to understand the nuance to describe ihamana or two-spirit but the journalists and newspapers were reporting on the quote-unquote, Indian princess, and there was much excitement surrounding her visit to the city. And I just said that about Indian princess because, A, quote unquote they're not Indians, yeah. and they didn't have princesses, they weren't monarchies. Quote, her hair was in a short queue, as is the fashion with her people, both men and women, and was tied up with a scarf manufactured by the Moki Indians her neighbors at home her head was bare but while in the street she carried over it a big red satin parasol which she purchased in washington when she went shopping by herself around her neck she had an immense necklace of silver beads and a silver crescent pendant all made by native workmen in zuni and that was from washington dc's right up on her visit in the national tribune <laughs> People were amazed to see that she understood the concept of paying with money, even though her tribe had now been making money from their laundry business for some time. Now that Wiwa could speak more English, she was able to visit the Smithsonian and give more cultural context to artifacts that they already had. At the height of the trip, Wiwa even shook hands and briefly spoke with President Grover Cleveland. This particular visit also included the Women's Anthropological Society with an Indian dance which was not authentic to any dance. And when asked if she enjoyed the dance, Wiwa responded, she had not seen anything just like it among her people, but it was very nice notwithstanding. So
1: just a polite way to be like, I don't know what they were doing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, were you trying to embrace my culture? Because you're far off. Oh my God. I like when
0: I was reading about that, I was like, oh, cringe. Why wouldn't they just have natives do their own dance if they wanted to a former congressman hell bent on converting the zuni to christianity and civilized society gifted Weewa with a set of silverware Weewa then distributed the items amongst her tribe to the tribe's shamans for ritual and even to some of the children for play basically she didn't really give a shit about
1: yeah this big thing of silverware silver.
0: Unfortunately, guns and alcohol had been introduced to the tribe by this time, which sadly led to violence within the tribes that didn't used to be there. After all this, the Zuni now felt dismayed, finding their own culture under attack by those that had once been their allies and people that they had once helped. Great. Yeah. In 1892, an American soldier came to the tribal land to investigate a conflict— I wasn't able to get much info on what the conflict was, but I'm sure he was just being a nosy asshole and yeah. fucking annoying as hell. Yeah. So, according to U.S. officials, Weewa physically threw the soldier outside. When the soldier went to leave, he had to cut himself free as his coattails were stuck in the door. Ah. Wiwa, who is now in her mid-40s, was considered unruly by the U.S. government because of this incident. <laughs>
1: i December- sticking up for myself. I'm unruly. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You know, just an excuse. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Just an excuse. Yeah. By December 1892, soldiers had gathered in nearby Fort Wingate, called for reinforcements, and slowly surrounded the Zuni homeland. The Zuni, severely outgunned and outnumbered, could only look on helplessly as the mob approached. Similar standoffs had led to horrific acts of violence, such as the massacre at Wounded Knee, South Dakota, where 300 Lakota men, women, and children were gunned down by U.S. soldiers. Jesus. Thankfully, this confrontation did not end in violence. Lena Zuni, who was just 19 at the time, recalled, quote, the Zuni officers wrote a letter and gave their letter to the chief of the soldiers, be kind to us, we live quietly, unquote. Which is like... <laughs>
1: I don't know, it just kind of breaks my heart in a way. Yeah, <laughs> we to have to in. defend our yeah. livelihood by people that just want to Fucking take our everything. land. Yeah.
0: Weewa, the governor, and the leading priest were all arrested. Although from the available documents, it was unclear what their charges were and where they were initially taken to, whether it was Fort Wingate or... Or the county jail in Gallup. There was no notes about what jurisdiction, authority, or charges the arrests were made. Quote, yet the Albuquerque morning Democrat could smugly comment that the presence of the troops served to impress the Indians with the majesty of law.
1: Quote, the sorry? majesty of law. <laughs> get, the like, fuck? get the fuck out of here. Yeah, right.
0: Weewa was jailed for a month, then released into the cold New Mexico winter. She then made the 40-mile walk home.
1: Jesus!
0: Yeah, yeah, she she did it all herself. She made it there. But four years later, in 1896, Weewa lay dying of what was likely heart disease during the Chilocco Festival. Dancing was going on just in the room next door from where she lay. A priest diagnosed what was ailing her. A witch had blown a bit of mutton into her heart. To the Zuni, witchcraft was a very real and serious threat. This was not taken lightly. Her death, being at 49, was considered premature to the Zuni, and this further solidified their belief that this was the work of a witch. The Zuni priests eventually did accuse, arrest, and extract a confession from the accused witch. And confession. in doing, yeah, extract quote unquote extracted a yeah, confession.
1: Tortured out of you. Yeah. To third degree.
0: And after doing this and getting the confession, Wee West Spirit was set free. Okay. Okay, yeah. You guys,
1: <laughs> stop.
0: Leave witches alone.
1: <laughs> stop torturing to people into confession. Yeah, Jesus. There's okay. a great episode on Criminal, that Criminal did recently, about getting false confessions out of people. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Matilda wrote of Weewa's burial, quote, Blankets were spread upon the floor, and the brothers gently laid the lifeless form upon them. After the body was bathed and rubbed with meal, a pair of white cotton trousers were drawn over the legs, the first male attire she had worn since she had adopted women's dress years ago. The rest of her dress was female. The body was dressed in the finest clothing, six shawls, a foreign manufacturer, gifts from Washington friends, besides her native blanket wraps, and a white Hopi blanket bordered in red and blue were wrapped around her. The hair was done up with the greatest care, Three silver necklaces with turquoise earrings attached and numerous bangles constituted the jewelry. Upon the return to the house, the foster mother had the rest of Wewa's possessions brought together, that they might be destroyed. All her cherished gifts from Washington friends, including many photographs, were brought out. All must be destroyed. This work was performed by the mother, who wept continually. All was sacrificed, but pictures of Mr. and Mrs. Carlisle, Mr. Stevenson, and the writer. These were left in the frames on the wall. I didn't get into who Carlyle, the Carlyles were, just so you know. I don't even think they came up in my research, but they're clearly somebody that was
1: important to her that I did not come across. They were so- the vampires that um, showed up and befriended <laughs> them. <laughs> I'm like, what? Okay.
0: <laughs> These were left in the frame, the pictures of Mr. And Mrs. Carlyle, Mr. Stevenson, and the writer, which I'm assuming is Matilda. These were left in the frames on the wall with another outburst of grief. The old woman declared they must remain, saying, We wa will have so much with her. I cannot part with these. I must keep the faces of those who love Wewa and whom she loved best. I must keep
1: them to look upon. End quote. Aw. Oh. Purses don't have trailer hitches. You can not take stuff when you, with you when you die. I want to be buried with Buddy, but that's about it. <laughs> my cat. Well, yeah, but he's going to be
0: long dead before you die. I know. To I want dead. his
1: ashes with me. Oh, that
0: makes sense. Okay. I was thinking Buddy's
1: corpse for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stuff him. I'm just kidding. Remember that guy scary. was like, I
0: have a cat named Courtney. I'm going to stuff her when she oh dies. Whoa. So just a little discussion about the gendered clothing. In Zuni culture, gender is acquired. So a person is born in a raw state. And as they're fully grown, they are fully cooked. But then when they die, they're back to their raw state. The reason that they put the male pants on Wiwa was because they were born a male. And in their raw state, they were a male until age 12. And then fully cooked, they were female. And then now in their raw organic form in death, they're male again. And I kind of feel like it's kind of like the development of the soul in a way. They recognize that. So like now that the soul is out of the body, the body is is a male form again. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was kind of nice.
1: Because it's too spirited. Yeah. Spirit. Yeah.
0: Wiwa did not change her name to be more feminine. She kept her masculine name. She carried out tasks of the home, like caring for children and cooking, but she was also held in high regard and sent on delegations to meet foreign presidents. She was fully capable of defending her people and herself. Cut to Wiwa throwing an American soldier out the door. Mm-hmm. Quote, But Zuni culture does not see a contradiction in a single person doing all of these things. When asked by a researcher about the gender of Ihamana individuals, a Zuni person is recorded answering quite simply, she is a man, Sadly, through all of her hard work, the Zuni and other native tribes of the area were not immune from America's Western expansion and active genocide of the indigenous tribes of the Americas, including the Zuni Pueblo. This colonization continued for decades after the passing of Wewa, Sadly, many Zuni children were forcibly removed from their homes and educated in white Christian residential schools whose aim was always to take the Indian out of the child. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: The Zunis' acceptance of two-spirit was unfortunately used against them in propaganda to justify the white-led government's violence and genocide. Ihamana were presented as deviant and strange. White settlers would use sexual violence on indigenous tribes on two-spirit as well as straight cisgender men and women. And this has always been a form of power, and that's always what rape is about. This was also done to African tribes. Additionally, when indigenous people would be captured and enslaved by white settlers, sometimes they would force non-two-spirit to cross-dress as a form of humiliation. This horrific abuse is deep-rooted today across many post-colonized indigenous cultures, which is really sad. So it's like all this abuse has made so many people unaccepting of it. Like yeah. you even see it today and it's oh, so yeah. ingrained in many cultures. Yep. It didn't used to be like that. Yes. And people like to sit there and say that now in 2023, acting like this is something new when no, no. it was just something that was... They had to
1: hide. Yeah, they had to hide. Because they would have been, you know, tortured yeah. and beaten and yeah. this and that and... We'll get into more of that on uh, next week's podcast. WeWa's legacy lives on today as the
0: LGBTQ and Two-Spirit communities are now able to connect and celebrate. Although it is still a fight for rights, especially with the growing hate towards the community being spread by far right wing conservatives who are often just closeted themselves. Mm-hmm. Native Americans are also spreading their culture across social media and are promoting pride and being two-spirit as well as indigenous. Wewa's art can still be seen at the Visodian and she was a formative leader and teacher to her people. This Thanksgiving, I urge all of my fellow Americans and Canadians listening, although I'm not sure what the story of Canada's Thanksgiving is, just to gain a better understanding of two-spirit Indigenous and the LGBTQ communities, as well as the Native tribe that is Indigenous to the land that you're standing on, because we are all on Native land.
1: Yes. The Very end. nice. Very nice. <laughs> yes, Insert thank you. clap sound thing. No, that was very, very good. Thank
0: you. Yeah, it was yeah. more history-focused again, but yeah. Yeah, important well, I mean, history. story we're to tell, and very, yeah. I don't, it's still important to know this stuff today because it's yeah, still definitely. stuff that everybody's still fighting for. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so weird how, like, a lot of times our episodes are just coinciding with each other. Yeah. Like, I have given you hints of who, like, I'm talking about, and I think you probably know, but... I'll probably
0: know once you get into it, but... yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I had a couple shots last night. I was like, oh, my God, this is the best intro I've ever written. Oh, my God, I know. I I remember you said I was so excited for you. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. It's like yelling through the apartment. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. I don't know. All right. Well. If that's all, though, I mean, there's, it's Native American Heritage Month, so get learning. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And if that's all, stay bad, bitches. Stay bad, bitches. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Bad Bitch Segment is written and hosted by Kate Salamone and Courtney Janicki. Sound editing by Courtney Janicki. Podcast art by Laura Grote at LA Promotional Design. Intro and outro music by Alexi Action. Follow us on Instagram at Bad Bitch Segment. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music.